Hey guys, welcome to the Grow Demand podcast, dedicated to helping B2B tech founders drive faster growth. I'm your host, Samuel Roberts, and I speak to exceptional founders, CMOs, sales leaders, and entrepreneurs who like to ignore the rules, do things differently, and create demand for their products. My goal is to bring you their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you get more creative in your approach and help you scale. Hope you enjoy this episode, guys. Thanks for joining me today, Ash. Yeah, cheers. Um, excited to be here. And um, just to give everyone a, you know, a quick sort of introduction. So, you know, Ash helps sort of solopreneurs reach more people on LinkedIn. Um, you know, he's a content strategist, helps people essentially form a better content strategy. Um, you know, he looks at coupling storytelling and then kind of activation. So content production and planning. Um, so, yeah, Ash, you know, obviously I became aware of you through LinkedIn. Uh, one of your posts that blew up, another one. Um, so yeah, let's just kind of dive into kind of, you know, what you're doing and how you're helping business people yeah, leverage definitely. storytelling. Before we start, actually, which, which post was it? Do you remember? Cause I, I know that um, I'm conscious that I'm posting every day, so you probably, you might not remember the exact one, but. Do you know what? I'm not sure what it was, but, but it was a, it was a visual one. Um, hmm. it might've been one after 2020 where there was like some balloons or something oh yeah yeah I'm, I'm not sure there was it was it was something very visual though so it could be that yeah one. no that, that that's the one that was uh, i was um unshamedly uh, bragging about my um progress on linkedin yeah yeah it was the balloons one i think i hit um i hit a certain milestone um yeah and and i was just yeah i was i was bragging about <laughs> yeah progress <laughs> there's, there's something wrong with bragging bragging rights if you've you know you've smashed something and that's yeah. all fine so um yeah kind of you know what what's happening with you in terms of you know how are you you know helping like solopreneurs and get business you know how did this kind of all come come to fruition yeah so um it started off um uh, i i run an agency so i run a creative agency i have done for the last um 11 years um and um, I started that business when I lost my job, um, uh, and it was the the financial crisis in what two thousand and nine, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, and um, I decided to start my own business there. And I, you know, move ten years on or eleven years on, I see the same kind of thing happening now. Um, there's generally a trend of people wanting to start their own business. Um, so the world of solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, um, uh, but it's accelerated because of COVID, um, I feel. You know, there's, uh, I think that, I can't remember the exact stat, but there's a huge amount of um, re- people registered as um, self-employed um, because of COVID in the US and UK. And I would imagine that's probably around the world as well. Yeah, no, I think there's been a lot of change, like given the environment. It's it's weird. You've got this environment of more risk or uncertainty, but within that, you've also got people making those leaps. And and I think again, again with like the last crash, um, you know, you could put yourself in that sort of bucket where yeah, circumstances have been laid upon you, but you've took that circumstance and then turned it into a business that's been successful. Yeah. Um, so it's fascinating how such kind of events can drive such creativity and force it. But I suppose that's, again, coming back to kind of human psychology, it's probably a natural yeah. thing, really. 
Yeah, and the, and the and the crazy thing is, is that um, years before, when I was in a cushy job, um, and I was doing well in my um, work, um, I, I kept saying to myself that I wanted to start my own business, wanted to start my own business, but I kept giving myself excuses of why I shouldn't be doing it, and it was mainly because I was in that comfort zone. So the fact that I actually did lose my job, and it was horrible at the time because my daughter was one years old then, um, uh, my wife was working part time, um, and I had to do something, um, but it forced me into a position, into a corner, and then it just turned into like you know. I've got to do something. And all of those things that I've been talking about pre on, in previous years, um, I actually put into action. Um, so in hindsight, it was probably the best thing that happened to me. Well, this is it. And actually a good question or something that kind of popped up to me, you know, there was, is there anyone who, uh, it might seem negative, but is there anyone who shouldn't start a business? Is there anyone that you think, do you know what, like, it does it lend itself, its characteristics specifically to someone with traits that serve it? I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point, you know, and I think um, there's probably a myriad of reasons why um, uh, people shouldn't start their business where, you know, you might think you're, you're prepared, you, you, you know, let's just say competence, experience and mindset. They're, they're all important things now. Um, there are probably a lot of people that have pipe dreams, um, but they don't plan well. They have, and it's great to have a dreams, don't get me wrong, but you have to make sure that you, you, you plan well for them. And if you're, you know, if you're, if you're thinking that it's all, um, it's all gl glitz and gl glamour, it is not, it's hard work. I mean, sometimes it's harder you yourself probably know it's hard sometimes could be harder than your your nine to five job that you're trying to escape and you've got to have a healthy balance of you know what it is and what it isn't yeah I think one of the first things I realized was if you have a bad week where you're working full-time you're still going to get paid if you have a bad week but you know you're freelance you're getting nothing so it's yeah. it's kind of one of those where there's, there's there's a thrill to that because it's all in your control well some of it's in your control yeah but there's a scare you know that kind of fear which is like shit like how am I gonna get um work you know where's the business gonna come from and and actually this leads really well into kind of the first point you talked about planning so mm -hmm. you know if we look at what are the main reasons why solopreneurs and businesses fail you know, and go through those, perhaps that'd be a good one to start at. So is there anything that you work with people on around planning to make that success happen? Yeah. And I, th and I think the, and it goes back to that, you know, there's a myriad of reasons why um, people do fail and it could be down to the, the competency experience, uh, the mindset, but I often find that, um, and it's quite common as well. Those people that, 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 um, do give up and fail is because they don't expect or plan for the dips um, in business. Like, for example, um, if you're thinking of starting up a business, you know where you are, you know your present state, um, you know it really well. You might be trying to escape it um, because it's giving you a hard time. So that's certain. What's also probably cer not certain, but uh, what you have in your mind is that future state of where you want to be and how life could be so much better. The grass is greener on that other side. 
What we don't do is because they're negatives or perceived negatives is those, those, those dips. And um, that dip is, you know, it's like if you don't plan for those things that might be challenging, um, then it's going to be hard for you to navigate through that. Um, however, if you do plan for them uh, or, or you do expect them, you can have plans in place. Now, there's going to be things that you can't plan for, like COVID, for example. No one could have seen that coming. But there are things like, I don't know, um, uh, your, you know, your, maybe your suppliers um, uh, raising their prices or competition um, coming in and underpricing you. If you kind of expect for those certain, you know, specific things happening, um, you might be able to um, plan for them better. Um, and that takes me to the other point as well, that dip as well. Sometimes if you don't plan for them, you feel you think that's the end state, that's the end game. And you think your idea was rubbish and that's when you quit. But sometimes you just need that push. You need to expect that to get through and get the, the traction that you need to get to that other side. Does that make so sense? You, yeah. So when, you, and when you're talking about dips, are you just talking about dips in business um, or are you talking about are the dips all of the the barriers or the challenges that are going to hit you at some point? And I think, yeah, I think it could be both. You know, it could mm. be the the dips in business, but also it could be the your the 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 dips in your energy and your your mental state as well. Mm. Um, because there are going to be times, without a doubt, that you're you're going to feel low because the money's not coming in, or it's going it's taking longer than you thought. Um, to realize your plans um but um you know keeping that positive mindset is so important yeah well I think one thing that's that kind of struck me um this week you know being in this kind of position uh, it's weird I'm actually probably a good person to kind of speak because given I've just kind of started you know where I am I'm feeling some of these things myself but one is actually being overwhelmed um mm. like I feel like you can have this feast and famine situation going on where what you know when you kick off it's like I, I need to find business or I need to move quick I need to meet people I need to connect and then when stuff starts to come in and more stuff starts to come in you've got decisions to make do you know what I mean like choose this don't choose that and what's the chance of this business you know actually coming in what am I feeling from this potential client is this the type, you know, how much does this work marry to exactly what I want to do? Is it kind of on the peripheral of that? Or is it, you know, say I want to work primarily in strategy and positioning, it's bang on that. And mm. it's kind of balancing that, like what you really want to do with what's available. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've struggled with, yeah, that overwhelming feeling. And I've had to like kind of, I, I mean, I wrote, started writing it down and then drawing up like a spreadsheet that was like, basically new business and kind of assigning a status and where it is and getting it out of my head. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I've only just started doing that. So I don't know if there's something in there again, you kind of encounter that with people feeling that way. Yeah, I do. And also from a personal experience as well, when I first started, I know what I wanted to do. I wanted to start a creative agency, but then I was trying to do everything as well. Like, you know, I was, um, I felt like, oh, I do web design or I'll do graphic design because, you know, everyone needs all these services and um, the new things will come up. Like even the past few years, like 
um, I don't know, augmented reality. I've tried my hand at that, trying to learn that. It's that shiny object syndrome. Um, but then you've just got to remember that, um, you know, what is your main goal? What is your focus? What is, what is, what is the thing that you strategize? And, and don't get me wrong as well. I have a lot of my journey has been uh, a, a serendipitous journey. So it's good to try different things, but also it's, I feel like I'm giving contradictory advice here, but um, you know, try different things, but just make sure that you are focusing on why you're doing things and who you're serving as well. And how, you know, how be realistic as well. Like, um my the mo my most recent one with augmented reality that I was trying to learn, I thought I could do it very quickly. Um, but it was a long game and there were specialists involved that have been doing it for years actually. So I was like, no, I knew when to quit. So that's that's another thing. You have to know when to quit. Yeah, and, and do you know what? I think the the contradictory stuff is actually I'm learning that there's a lot of paradoxical elements to life and business. Do you know what I mean? One grain of advice or something you'd hear could be like the perfect wisdom for the day, but then something else could be someone else's downfall. So, mm -hmm. and, and, and again, maybe it's because of like meditation stuff, but there are lots of ideas that are quite hard to hold um, in unison Two opposing things that, you know, could propel you forward or do the opposite. Yeah. Um, and that is, I guess that's the genius of like people that are successful or make it. I'm always like, they somehow knew what they needed to do in that moment. And those decisions led them to where they are. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a term for that. Um, uh, I read a recent article that paradox, um, like people, people are doing well with new products that have that opposite um, meaning. Like, I don't know, something, an example would uh, be a, a cheap luxury good, you know, like that. that's the example in the article. I can't remember exactly what they did, but um, the business did really well out of it thinking like that. Um, but yeah, digressing. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it makes it makes sense. So, you know, coming back to kind of um, business side of things and kind of building brands, you know, what where, where do you kind of start with people if someone comes to you? Um, mm. And they're like, yeah, I want to expand my profile. Um, I work in, say, again, let's say they're in an agency space. Um, where would you start with them? So um, is it you're you thinking generally um, uh, how I help them um, uh, with their business or specifically on LinkedIn? Let's let's say specifically with LinkedIn, you know they they know that they they know that there's a channel that their buyers are on there. Um, you know we know sales and marketing and agencies it's you know open game we're all over the place marketers especially yeah. on linkedin um and they pretty much have minimal or no kind of linkedin presence they, they've got connections um and they've they tamper about with it but you know it's been more of that working cv um kind of thing so yeah. what what kind of yeah where, where do you start with them do you you know is it more about and um, putting the strategy strategy together first and all of that stuff and then absolutely yeah yeah so i i i, I have this thing about um starting at the end um when it comes to brand strategy um and i am a, a brand strategist as well that's a lot of what i do uh with my um with the agency work that i do so um and what i mean by starting at the end is like almost having that vision of where you want your 
um, if it's your brand or your specific project is where, where do you want it to be? And that could be where do you want it to be in a year's time or 10 years or 20 years? Um, and then it, I feel it's easier to uh, plan how you get there. So all those other elements come into place too. So, um, you know, why you do what you do, who you're doing it for, what do you need to do to get to that end state? Um, so, um, you know, those future goals and your vision, if you like, um, is is the place where I would say to start. Um and with regards to how I work with people is I'll get on a call with them and I'll have that discovery session with them. Um, and then we'll start putting that plan together. That makes sense. Um, like you say, kind of map out the goals, map out the end journey. I think, uh, again, l- looking at kind of my approach um, to it so far, I certainly haven't, I haven't kind of put, you know, a stake in the ground and gone, this is, a, this is where I want to be. And I think it's probably a symptom of, what I kind of mentioned earlier about wanting to move quickly or feeling a bit overwhelmed or feeling like, well, I need to do something. Um, And they kind of become a bit disjointed. You know, Mm. there's not this kind of like, right, I'm going to do, yeah, here's the end goal. And there's a set of milestones and I'm going to measure success in this way. Mm. It it seems very obvious, but it's funny how, again, even as a marketer, I've kind of gone, oh, well, this post here, what I'll do is, is I'll measure the engagement and I'll write down what happened and I'll write down what time and log it all and then kind of use that to inform my efforts. But, um, yeah, I think in terms of the, an ultimate sort of goal at the end, like what, what kind of goals do people typically put together? Do they go, I want X amount of followers or I want X amount of business um, from this channel? Is, is that, that- typically? Yeah, and that's that's the important question to ask with anyone that I work with is like, what do you want? And to, for some people, it might just be, look, I just want to, um, I just want to conquer my fear of posting and just start being consistent about. Um, I don't have any goals or business goals. I just want to be out there, and then that, then you know, their their business ideas will um, come from that. And it certainly did with me for my new project that I'm doing um and others it might be that look I want to get new business out of it and this is my goal and this is um this is this is what I know these are my services these are my products so then we'll start ideating well uh, putting a plan together in terms of okay who is your customer what challenges are you going to face who's your competition um you know, um, how well do you know uh, LinkedIn? Uh, what's going to be your short-term goals? Like, is it going to be the engagement? Is it going to be the followers? And then let's drill down, like, who are those followers and um, who who is the audience that you want to target? So, you know, everyone's goals are going to be different, but it comes down to that having that initial discovery session um, and asking that really important question that you just asked, you know, what what is it that you want to achieve? Yeah, I think, you know, from a business point of view, I've kind of gone with the classic marketing and mapped out who is it I'm trying to speak to and what are their pain points and then gone, okay, well, what the the challenge is then is sometimes those pain points can be, they can be known by the industry at large and those messages are also being shouted from other people trying to vie for the same attention and business. Yeah, And that's when I kind of go, right, I know that these are the problems I'm seated very much myself in this industry. So now it's about this differentiation and like, 
what's the voice why are people even bothering to listen to me because it's like you know the, the worst thing i think for any of us is to kind of well to, to it's to be ignored isn't it or to be indifferent yeah. it's almost like okay they don't exist which is the you'd rather a reaction that's negative in some way than than nothing right um, and yeah, yeah so yeah. i think differentiation is there anything around that that you work with people on to kind of help them find that at all yeah i come from the um uh, marty newmeyer school uh, of branding and I'm, I'm part of his alumni group as well so um yeah he, and he talks, I don't know whether you've read it or come across of, with uh, any of his books. Um, some of his, he's written quite a few, The Brand Gap, The Brand Flip, uh, uh, and The Zig is one of my favorites. And The Zig is about that differentiation. So basically, in a nutshell, what that is, is when everyone, uh, sorry, not The Zig, The Zag, um, you can edit that part out as well because I don't want Marty thinking that. Hold on, I thought I'm been teaching, but basically, yeah. So what the zag is is um, is when everyone zigs, you zag. So it's about being unique. So you might be offering the same uh, things um, or services to the certain. Uh, set of people but it's how you position yourself how you do things differently um and you know he talks about how it's important to be not only different but radically different and obviously good at what you do and that's how you become the that innovative company yeah like you say the and i'd actually heard someone else use that term i think it was mm. Chris Walker from Refine Labs. I'm not sure if you follow any of of their stuff, but um, the the zig and zag. And again, it was talking about as soon as the, there's almost like a gold rush to certain tactics as well in marketing. I think where it's like, you know, there's only a few select people doing it, and it seems to be working well. Yeah. And then and then slowly people cutting onto the the strategy or the tactic, and it almost becomes easier to replicate. And then before you know, it, everyone's doing it and it doesn't work anymore. And yeah. it's time to move on. So finding, finding the cusp of those progressive tactics can be quite hard. Um, and I always wonder sometimes, sometimes I've only come, you know, come upon them from a chat with a colleague or I end up working with an organization that has found like rapid success with something that they can sort of scale and they seem to be the only ones doing it. Mm. So it's funny how these things come along. Um, I think it's important, though. I think it is important to um, the, the. It's an age-old debate, isn't it? Should you be a generalist or should you be niching and focusing? And I, I, I genuinely think that you should find your thing and mm -hmm. and kind of stick to it um, because I think, you know, there's the uh, you. I, I've tried it in the past. I've tried everything, um, and uh, I've got more success up from focusing on that one thing and also it's like it's hard as a solopreneur it's hard to do everything like yeah you can like I have a team because I I have independent contractors on my team um I have um permanent uh members on my team um part-time members um but um still it's like it's a small team like you can't do everything and if you focus on being really good at that one thing um you're going to probably there's more chance of um, getting known for that one thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one, but like you say, it's, uh, is that where your overwhelm comes from? Do you think? I think my overwhelming comes from a couple of things. It comes from 
yeah, drilling down or banking down onto like one specific thing. So for example, you know, I could choose to go, right, B2B tech and SaaS is my, you know, my focus. And I'm just going to focus on, you know, create creating content or creating creative based content for those you know, for those industries. Oh, um, I see. Right. Let's let's say I'm I'm like right. PPC is a, is is exploding. Like I'm seeing a lot of tech and B two B SaaS, um, looking to up their efforts because they realise that a lot of B two B marketing can be quite dull and mundane. So something that I'm kind of shifting towards is well, B two C seem to almost be on the front foot with a lot of the way that they do their branding, their ads, their campaign, their visuals, their creative. So I'm like, like, this is an opportunity to marry this together mm. and better. But then you kind of come into, well, oh, you know, we could do video and we could do landing pages and we can do PPC management. And, and, we, and then you're talking about a full service agency. Yeah. Um, and I have noticed that, you know, again, being a creative, I can work in that capacity and I have the ideas, but it doesn't mean I should do it. Maybe actually what mm. I should do is think about one of those areas. And like you talked about niching down into it and going, this is what I do. This is again, what I'm going to get really good at because it's the only thing that I'm focusing on. So naturally I have more value to offer people, but, but yeah, the overwhelm comes from, I think it's, the, I think it's decision-making that is just it's almost like it compounds on itself where mm. like you're making constantly these decisions and questioning is this right is it wrong is it and then you become overwhelmed by where you are <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, it's a it's a common it's a common thing and also going back to that niching like you could um this is what i do with the agency so i do creative um we, we do creative solutions but we've we've we focus on one vertical and or industry and that's the world of work. So it's like recruitment or talent, uh, those in the talent business. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, when I say talent, I mean like, you know, world of work talent, not like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, we're on the, we're on the right thread. Um, And you mentioned um, earlier, we were talking about this kind of fear of people's opinions, the FOPO. um, Yeah. So what, you know, is it the people that have come to you, what's the advice on helping people get past that? that yeah, kind of it's an interesting one, actually. And I only came across the term very recently. Um, and it's a it's a phrase coined by, I don't know whether you've done looked it up or anything, but it's a phrase coined by um, a performance psychologist named uh, Michael Gervais. And um, uh, he wrote a Harvard Business Review article on on it and um i just thought i i never i never um i i've suffered from it myself like fear of people's opinions whether it's also in and i think a lot of the fears that you have fear of failure fear of um you know not 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 being good enough like the imposter syndrome i think it all comes down to people's opinions um and perception of what you think people think about you um yeah and I think that's that I've experienced it and um I see it a lot with people that I work with like even things like oh I'm not sure if I should post that like get nervous before I hit that send it's like you know um will it resonate with people am I doing the right thing but all of these things really stop you and hinder your progress and I've found that um more and more 
Um, how I deal with it is, again, comes back to that strategy of who you serve in and what are your personal values. So I think there's two things at play when it comes to social media. Certainly on LinkedIn, I've found is that um, it's, it's you you're presenting to the world as well as your business and services. So I think how I work with my clients is is um, is working on their own personal philosophy and your personal values uh, and the type of person you are as well as your services and all of these things inform the content that you put out there. So what I mean about that personal philosophy is like, who are you? What do you stand for? And then um, that's really just all that matters. Um, and so my personal values are being kind to people and they might, very, they might be generic terms, but it's these things that resonate with a lot of people being kind to people, but also recently, and it's very recent being kind to myself as well. I, and you know, that I, I, I wasn't doing enough of that. Um, then the other thing is uh, respect, um, just be respectful because there's a lot of people on social media that will just like kick you down and like, I, I don't think it serves anyone well. Um, and then also just being yourself. That's, that's, that's another big thing. Um, and I'm still learning, you know, like to be myself. And in fact, that ties in with the issue that I had with the term personal branding. I never used to like that term at all. And um, I had a conversation with a good friend of mine recently as well. And he said like, all personal branding is, is reputation. It's like your, your reputation, who you are, and it's the best version of yourself as well. So that's all it is. It's like, and if I'm presenting the best version of myself, then I'm happy with that term personal branding and I'll do more of it. It's not an engineered version of yourself, basically. Yeah, I think there's, it comes into question with the idea of that self-love, you know, kind of thing, doesn't it? Because, yeah. you know, and that's why, like, you know, meta meditation and stuff like that, you know, I love all of that because it's, it's like if the reaction that you have inside when you think about posting something is a reaction that you're, you know, nothing in all respects, there's nothing else going on around you. There's no reason to feel negative. You haven't even posted it yet. You haven't done nothing in the world. Is, but you are creating this resounding negative feeling. Um, and it's all, it, and it, it's, it's crazy how many people have it. It's kind yeah. of, it, it's, it's almost, um, I think from a cultural perspective, it, in a way it's concerning as well, isn't it? But mm. the fact that so many people have it, and again, with something like meta meditation, that kind of loving kindness, I think something that I've learned with that is, is when you default into that, mindset it's like actually no bring self-love to shame in, in essence because that's kind of what's going on there and then when you post it's just a different thing it's like no actually like I don't have to default straight to the you know sometimes um I might be in the gym or something you know back you know when you can go in the gym and someone will be like I'll get on the machine and let's say I haven't used it before and the trainer comes over and's like you know I'm fiddling around like an idiot yeah. and <laughs> And, and normally my response to that in the past has been, you know, what an idiot. And, and it's, but it's not just what an idiot that's playful. It's what an idiot, but mm. very critical, that voice. And um, I think in recent times when those situations occur, instead of doing that, I kind of laugh or smile at the kind of, yeah, like I didn't get that right. And that's yeah. okay. 
but it's yeah. very i think it's permeates a lot of culture a lot of people are feeling that aren't they yeah i exactly and I don't, I don't know what it is and it's like is it is it a human default to think of the negative stories and that's a big thing that i do focus on is as well it's like with regards to storytelling it's storytelling the stories that you tell other people but what's as important are the stories you tell yourself as well they're really important like you know um and going back to that FOPO and that personal philosophy is like um there's an exercise a part of my course as well is what I do is like list all all the things take a take a specific example of a, a challenge like okay it might be for example like I, I'm I'm thinking this about posting and what other people might think about this post. Um, all the list, all the bad things on one side, then list all the good things. So it might be people might hate this post, or people might think I'm incompetent, or people might think I'm ex inexperienced. Then list the, the complete opposite on the other side is like people will love this post. People are going to think that I'm an authority in in what I'm. Uh, talking about um and then ask yourself that real question and genuinely ask that question which of these things have happened like are you certain that are true and the answer is none yet because you've not posted so rather than defaulting to that negative side it's just as easy to believe that you know that the positive column um and that helps me a lot and it's a daily habit that i think that we have to do um yeah, because yeah, it happens to me as well, like even now, but it's, it's less so. Yeah, I'd agree that there's some sort of daily practice or daily reminder because that, that default, I don't think ever leaves, does it, in, in some respect? And, no. and, in, and in terms of st uh, storytelling, um, I think one thing I noticed, um, on my, you know, I thought I'd ask you is around how can one be a crap writer but do storytelling well? Um, and yeah. I, I can, again, I'm a very creative sort of writer. I just kind of splurge stuff out and then I'm like, Oh, I've got to like organize this and this takes ages. So I think it'd be useful. Like, is there kind of some suggestions there about, yeah, I'm bad at writing, but I can still do good storytelling. Yeah. Um, and look, this is social media as well. Like you've got to remember that you don't have to be a Hollywood script writer. You don't have to be Stephen King, Jane Austen, or, you know, whoever those, like literary greats it's social media and it's it go, again it goes back to just think about your audience thinking about what they want and think about how you'd talk as well in real life like sometimes those short choppy types of copy work really well and it's been working really well for me recently as well it's you know you don't have to be the best writer at all um just have a bit of a focus, have a bit of a strategy and write how you talk normally um, and you'll do just fine. Um, and in terms of, you know, as we're on sort of storytelling, um, I know you you kind of come up with your story converter method, which again, which is kind of about getting under the skin of their audience and again, helping clients do that. And I think you talked about kind of the big story and all these kind of elements you know um can we you know just dive into that and kind of talk about yeah what is that method and how does it kind of help people yeah so the story converter method is basically a framework that i've devised and it's a framework that i've been using for my clients in um brand strategy um or 
creative advertising campaigns and I've repurposed that to use specifically for LinkedIn. And it has two use cases. So one of the uh, uh, use cases is basically that branding, that positioning and how to position yourself, um, identifying that all your audience. And you talked about, you know, those pain points and how you get to that um that that end in terms of what you're trying to achieve as a business and your personal brand and then the other side of it is using that same um, framework to structure your story as well so it's almost like a narrative arc Um, and it's just something that's worked really well for me it's not a it's not a strict framework I mean no one wants a formulaic um, content all the time because you know it just gets boring but it it serves as a bit of a guide Um, uh, and I think it's it helps me and it's been helping because I'm running through the beta uh, group at the moment of students. So I've got 10 beta students um, and that's been running since January um, and it's really making their life easier. Yeah, I mean, I really like the point you made about putting the structure around it. That's something, again, with my ideas and kind of creativity, that's again, it's always kind of let's pull this back to some structure. Um, so what, what what does that look like? Is it as simple as, I don't know, posting at certain times and putting uh, almost like a week kind of uh, not a timesheet but do you know what I mean something to go right well, we're going to post about this pain point here this pain point here and then shifting solutions for the next week or how does that all look yeah you know what funnily enough and I'll probably get um grilled by a load of content creators out there but I don't I don't believe in a 30-day content calendar I don't believe in like a lot of my content is, you know, a lot of it is done on a weekly basis, but it's just through ideas. So having that framework where I know what my services are, what my personal values are, where I want to get, how I want to help my customers um, through my content, I've developed them themes. So I, then I stick to those themes and then I'll use content generation. I, well, I get inspiration from everywhere from conversations I might even make a post about this later on you never know um or I might um read a book and I just get some content ideas and then I'll see how that idea fits into those themes um sometimes I'll just you know I'll be I don't know out and about and I'll just send myself a voice memo if I come up with an idea send it to the cloud and then on a like a Saturday or the weekend I'll come up with maybe post ideas um and once you start doing that, you'll find that you will never run out of ideas. I think the, the problem you'll find is that you'll have so many ideas. And then when you have that framework to put in, get, get take those ideas and put it into an actual structured um, bit of copy or visual, um, you know, that's when the, obviously the magic happens. And um, But it's easier to do that when you know your 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 pillars and your themes if that makes sense yeah I was going to say that's the bit of thing that I probably have the, the big struggle with like the idea it's like you know you look at my voice notes you look at my notes um, and and like you know and it's just this explosion of stuff like the way that I'll create a PowerPoint deck or like you know Google Slides I'll have this idea and I'll it'll it'll come to me and I'll pack out a slide mm. and then let's say there's 15 slides, you'll have like three slides that are packed out and then the other slides will just be like a couple of words or a couple of lines. And it's, <laughs> it's sort of like, that's how it, it all kind of happens. Like I can't force certain elements, but what happens is, is I struggle to organize those ideas. It's like, okay, well, I've done this, this and this, but that isn't the full story. 
and it's no. not but it's not being bucketed into this kind of category or this kind of topics and this framework that you're talking about but it, it would it sounds like a godsend for creative people who typically don't work in that fashion and need some sort of structure some to kind of structure. Together. and I think yeah I think that's right especially with creative people it's like um yeah, you have you have so many ideas, and it's it's hard to sometimes just be contained. You do you don't want to be contained in a box. That's like the opposite to being creative, right? Um, yeah. But sometimes you do need that structure. And in terms of, um, I think there was something that I saw um, in terms of your kind of framework. This kind of the, the big story. Mm. So so what is you know maybe let's unpack that. What is you know what's that framework? There are you is is kind of the approach that you work with people on. Um, basically understanding the story of their prospects and their kind of buyers and then their own and then what marrying that up into some sort of, again, problem and solution kind of um, framework. Yeah. Is, is, is that how it works? Yeah, well, the big story is just basically the big narrative, the bigger narrative. It's like, um, let me give you my example. So my audience are solopreneurs who want to create content on LinkedIn. Um, so, um, and that big story is, you know, that, that this is it. That's my audience and they want to create um, content um, to get results, drive leads, more business. Um, so that's my big narrative. Mm -hmm. Underneath that is what are all the things that, maybe stop them like the imposter syndrome or mindset or well-being but also business growth and you know how or content writing so all those are the little stories underneath that big story so um that's what i meant by that i'm not sure i i'm i'm surprised actually that you picked that up because i don't know where i've written that is that on my linkedin profile yeah yeah i i mean whenever i do my research i try and again to make sure there's some context um yeah, because sometimes yeah. i can be like i'm stuck in my head stuck in my world um, yeah. and have conversations where i'm oh i'm talking about b2b tech or i'm talking about this and it's like well you know whomever i'm speaking to this is that their subject or their expertise is actually in other areas like storytelling and brand yeah. and so i um yeah i saw the kind of big story uh, it might have been around the the framework or the um, the story converter method that you mentioned. Right. That I kind of found that. Um, um, and in terms of uh, kind of, I don't know, is there any other areas that you'll coach sort of solopreneurs on that maybe sit slightly away from this? So like whether it is productivity, time management, or, you know, you mentioned well-being. Um is there anything that you, you know, kind of advocate or push towards that? You yeah. Can so people? that more, that more leans to the one-on-one -on -one coaching. So, um, um, and what I've started doing now is as well, part of that coaching is that I'll, I'll give that digital product, like the storytelling uh, course to them, but I'll have one-on-one -on -one sessions and that's very bespoke to the challenges that they have individually. So, you know, mm. some people might have, very different challenges like their main challenge is like they want to be on LinkedIn they want to but it might be like you say productivity or that mindset stuff um and I'm not on you know I'm not a psychologist I'm not a I'm not a, a counselor um and I don't uh, pretend to be but there's certain things that have worked for me over the last 20 years and I feel like you know if I can help them through the challenges that I think some of, you know, some of these challenges are pretty common with solopreneurs as well. Um, you'll find um, like the productivity, like the 
the well-being, the the overworking and the efficiency and stuff like that. And I've managed to, you know, over like I said, over the years, figure out the things that work for me and um, hopefully they'll work for others as well. Yeah, the, um, you know, if you've got a mentor, you've got someone very close to you whilst, you know, it, that, that'd be like the perfect scenario, wouldn't it? You're building a business and you've got someone that's done this 10 times overall, you know, they've, they can kind of see you as you hit these thresholds, these points, these milestones and go through the same thing. But it's weird how uh, I think there's a lot of people that still don't have access to that and they're mm. kind of, yeah, they need right. it, which is, again, it's one of the reasons why I reach out to people and connect, you know, I reach out because, you know, there's always something to learn, you know, especially in marketing, it, you know, in any industry, it just doesn't end. Yeah. But I think the other thing is, is it gets you out of your head or whatever it is that you're struggling with. And especially from a business point of view, you know, you, you started your business, you say 10, 10 years ago now, yeah, 11 years, um, which is, years, yeah. yeah, that and that is a real sort of meaty period of time with a lot of learning, a lot of lessons, a lot of things that happen within that. And you've got someone that's like two months in, it's like, well, yeah, like if, if I sit down with this person, they're probably going to have a few things to kind of yeah. say, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. And it all comes down to it should be from, you know, what the, your individual problems are. And maybe I can have a bag of something out of my bag of tricks that might help you. So um, but I I've, on to that point as well. I uh, when I did start like 11 years ago, um, there was less of that support. Um, maybe it was around, but I just didn't have access to it. I think that is more happening more now. Um, and certainly over the, the past 18 months, I've started being part of more online groups and communities. And just to give myself that, you know, that um, the accountability uh, for performance or support, um, because that's one thing as a solopreneur. And I think even now with COVID, more and more people are finding it you'll be you're on your own a lot of the time and it's a very lonely place man like you you don't care what people say people need support of other people you you can't do everything by yourself whether it's uh, mental support or that you know the, the performance accountability i think it's just important to have that um or access to that yeah like you say it's, i think you know going back 10 11 years it's I mean, I was, I was finishing, was I finishing? No, I was, uni, I was still in uni. Um, and yeah, face, Facebook was around. Um, but again, Facebook was like the uni pictures. Not, you've just done a night out. You'd log on to Facebook the following morning. Right. And all the pictures from uni, all of the stuff that you just don't want to see that's happened the night before would be <laughs> yeah. on there. Um, but, you know, social was different. Um, and then, yeah, I think like mentorship and things like that, the, the kind of connections were just being sown, weren't they? Whereas now mm. I think like people can reach out through LinkedIn and, you know, these, these types of channels and COVID has made that thing of, you know, disconnection made people really like, wow, well, you know, I need to connect with people, you know, and zoom is like, you know, you mentioned earlier about zoom fatigue and yeah, it, it's a thing, but I don't know, like when you engage with the right people um. You, you should actually feel afterwards pretty buzzed. Like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, I've learned something there and I've had that multiple occasions where they say, I haven't left the house, you know, but just had really good conversation, learned a bunch of stuff and had that kind of connection. So it's not that the technology has to be this, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a negative again. It can really kind of help. No, people. So no, absolutely. Is that one of the reasons why you started this podcast? 
I mean, potentially it was, it was for a number of reasons. I think I knew that I hadn't really fully took advantage of LinkedIn. Um, I again would sign in every now and again and be very kind of anonymous in the background. I certainly had the kind of fear of posting thing, you know, it was like, why would anyone want to hear anything that I've got to say? Yeah. Kind of thing going on. And then the, yeah, the kind of the podcast and the connection was like, well, the best way for me to learn seems to be through connection. And in also doing that, like there's a kind of mutual benefit from both sides because we're all in the same industry, you know, so long as people are trying to help each other, it's, it, it's the human element to it, isn't it? Again, it's like, I'm getting to talk to people and yeah. make those human connections that I can't do right now because of you know the, the, the pandemic. Um, but I'm also in some sense learning and being coached and people will say things to me like, Oh yeah, I never thought of that. And now they might share something with me like a resource or, mm-hmm. um, and then, and, 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 and there's an element that I don't know as well. There's an element of, uh, I like connecting to people and, and, and speaking. I mean, you can, the fact that I'm talking now, I don't know, it's been 60 seconds or 90 seconds, but um, I think marketers and people can just, you know, ramble on. Yeah. Uh, there's probably that kind of element to it as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's funny how it kind of um, I started. think it's a great thing, yeah. And I, I definitely want to do more of it. In fact, I'm thinking of doing a um, LinkedIn Live. It's, you have to apply for the LinkedIn Live. I don't know whether you're aware of it, but um, it's um, – I'm thinking of starting up a, um, called solo shorts, it's basically solopreneur short stories. So mm-hmm. talking to people like this who have started their journey and that might help and inspire others along the way as well. Yeah, well, this is it. And it's nice to see people doing that. And again, it's like, it's the connecting, but it's also just another way to add value, isn't it? Like, okay, mm-hmm. we know that there's X amount of people that have starting businesses currently during this time and like you say being such an isolated sort of moment where that's exactly op- the opposite of what someone in that position needs and um, mm-hmm. it's just going to diminish their you know chances of success and um, so I think you know the you, I mean you can see podcasts and things popping up and again but there's that thing that creeps in doesn't it like the the imposter syndrome and the the negative because when I've had these thoughts I've gone oh, but why would anyone bother? Or like, mm. who, who are you going to talk to? Why would people even get on and, and speak to you? All the, all those kind of just nasty things that you kind of say. Yeah. But it, but when it comes back to, well, well, actually what I'm trying to do is share good advice with people that are on the similar journey yeah. um, or starting businesses or, and, and you kind of go, well, why, why shouldn't you then? You know, yeah, there's really absolutely. nothing there. And, and I think the thing is as well, um, there's always going to be someone that's going to learn from you. And it's usually not just someone, it's a lot of people. Like, mm. you know, you're uh, where you are now, there's someone that's thinking of doing what you're doing or or might be inspired with, with what you're doing that hasn't got a clue where to start. So as much as there'll be those people that you feel like are way ahead of you and you feel like, what am I adding to that? Thinking about those people, um, it might hit, stop you from doing what you're doing, but it should really focus on the people that those tons of people that you will be helping. And there, there will be a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a message from a friend yesterday who kind of said, Oh yeah, I've just seen like grow demand. I've just seen what you've started and I'd look at the logo and all the stuff. And he goes, yeah. He's like, 
he's like, I love it when people kind of take things into their own hands. And he's like, I really like the logo and everything you come up with and like little visuals. And you're like, it's like one of the first people that said it, you know, there's only been a couple when you're like, Oh, okay. So it's maybe there is something to this and it's not just all in my head. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so it's nice when people do that um, and they reach out. Um, and in terms of um, maybe to kind of, you know, sort of close up, there was, you know, from a LinkedIn perspective, I don't know, there's a kind of like, I don't know, three tips or, uh, or five or whatever it may be. We can, we can pick a number, like things that you think people need to kind of focus on to make a success yeah, of the I mean, platform. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about um, strategy, um, but again, me contradicting myself is <laughs> keep trying different things on LinkedIn, like mm. variety of formats. Um, you know, sometimes video for example is not getting the best reach um but it serves a different purpose it gives your personality to someone um so yeah different formats and and different people prefer different things as well so um text text um um posts are working really well um but you know some people might prefer carousels and they also do really well so i know a variety of formats has served me well although i have been doing more text recently i need to do more video the other tip is um be consistent um but you know like don't worry don't get hung up on if you can't post every day try three times a week um um and some days, some weeks, it might be three times a week or it might be every day, but um, just be consistent. And when you are consistent as well, um, there was a point where I went through like I was doing really well with my engagement and my post. And then it, I, it added to the pressure of my next post. Like, is it going to do well? Is it, you know, is it not going to do well? And I, then I just thought in my head, like, you know, even if one or two or three people like this post and it's made a difference to them. That's, that's where I should aim for. Like, even though my posts before were doing 20,000, 40,000 per views. Um, if I just have in my head that like, you know, even if it just affects one person or helps one person, then I've done my job. Um, so, and that's helped me. So like, don't worry, you are going to have those dips as well. And that's just comes part and parcel of it. Um, an experiment as well. Yes. Yeah, experiment. And um, I do get analytical about my um, post. I use um, uh, an app called shield app. I don't know whether you've heard of shield app, but yeah. it's basically it's a third party LinkedIn analytic analytics tool. And it's like, yeah, LinkedIn has, um, LinkedIn has its own analytics, but this is like LinkedIn analytics on steroids. So it's like, like if you're really geeky about the analytics side of things, which you probably are being a digital marketer, um, you can, you can lay, find out what posts are doing well, um, the average views of certain types of posts, um, what time's doing well, um, and um, uh, where your uh, audience is in terms of geographic location but also the companies that they work for so it just informs you you know a better content strategy of what's working well and like if what's resonating with people so yeah that's shield app yeah no i love that um i'll be checking that one out i've always felt as though linkedin's analytics that are native in the platform are very basic and yeah. i'm kind of like you guys must have so much data here that if you were feeding it to me i could do a lot more at least learn a lot more of what's going on 
Um, so I'll check that one out. Um, and yeah, kind of final question that I kind of been asking people is um, what's uh, what's kept you sane through like lockdown? Oh God, um, what's <laughs> kept, kept me sane? You know, the thing is like, I've been working from home for a long time, even when I was employed, like, like before I lost my job, I, I was actually, it was a home-based role. So I feel like not a lot has changed. The only thing has changed, like in terms of the way I work, but the thing that has changed is like not being able to go out to restaurants, you know, and go see friends and family and stuff. Um, I think um, things like this has kept me sane, just connecting with people, like connecting with having calls with different types of people. Um, walks you know we've got a dog so we love our walks um and just trying to do more of that um and recently things that you don't do that much of apart from when it's christmas or something like board games with my daughter we have such a laugh um so you know little things like that it's just um i know there's a lot of bad but there's some good that's come out of this whole situation i think yeah no i totally agree and yeah the walks are definitely like a routine for me in the morning yeah. try and do i try and actually do three a day but you know it depends what's going on and mm. um, because it, it keeps the mind ticking over doesn't it and like there's something a bit therapeutic about that that it's it, i suppose as a like a routine like the commute to work as well isn't it like yeah if you kind of get up in the morning breakfast do the walk walk back it just separates the day um i'm, I'm not one for the you know staying in the pajamas and no. sort of sitting in bed with the laptop i think it kind of I don't know if there's a feeling to that. This just doesn't feel like I'm activating what I need to, to get moving. I know exactly going. what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Um, and those walks and things are, I don't know the scientific argument around it, but I do see uh, there are, I, I know that it works for me is that um, doing those almost like um, things that don't require the brain to be on all the time, it, it resets the brain, doesn't it? It resets a lot. I think you get more creative by being bored sometimes or doing, like a walk is not boring, but it's like, it doesn't take that much of your your brain power. And when I come back to the work because of walks or doing something completely different or being switched off from social media, um, I'm definitely more productive. Yeah. And that was, you know, I, I think maybe some of the, the overwhelmed or some of that feeling that I've talked about before does come from some of that where you've been bogged down on a task or whatever it might be. And you really just need to step away from it. And mm. that boredom, like you say, I've, I've, I've never been like, given what I've kind of stepped into here and, you know, being your own boss, you know, trying to start your own company and, and there's something to boredom that, does bring all of this creativity with it um, and it's like rekindling that creativity that I almost thought it not disappeared but beforehand it just didn't seem to be there or I wasn't able to access that kind of energy but now it seems to be just sprouting out and you know I still can't control it you know some days you just absolutely crushing it and things are just flying mm -hmm. out when I'm working out that's when a lot of stuff happens I'll be like and I'll, it'd be really annoying because I'll have to like get the pen <laughs> and like and like write something down and I'm like, you know, I've got my timer going on my watch, <laughs> like 60 seconds rest and all this. And I'm like, but you know, it, that's the way that it works. Um, it yeah. kind of, it, it's like these different energy channels need to be tapped into. You need the relaxation, the break, otherwise the brain just, 
it, it's almost like it shuts down in its own wow way where you you might go into the mad anxiety stare. Um, there's a good gif of like I think Leonardo DiCaprio where he's like on a plane, <laughs> and he's like he's like staring, and everyone's it, someone like oh, I can't think what the line is, but it's something like oh, oh, what is it? It's like when you're relaxing, but then realize you've still got anxiety, <laughs> and, right. and, he, and, he, and he's just intently staring into space. It's like yeah, because you know whatever's going on, you're working too hard, you're stressed yeah. or whatever, and you just your brain's saying, "I need to zone out. I need to yeah. phase out." There's a real good. There's a um, illustrator, Liz something, but she creates these illustrations that people share on LinkedIn quite a lot. I'm sure you've come across if you'll probably recognize it if you see it, but she does things like um, a, a circle of this is what ha uh, hard work, no, this is what success um, or success is hard work. And it's a full circle just saying hard work. And then it's different. The next thing is it's like different pie charts, like hard work is part of it, rest, boredom, or, you know, what other, other things there are, but that's really what um, drives results and success or productivity. I think it might be. Yeah, no, I have seen that one and it's obviously done the rounds because like you say, I, I, I picture it in my head right now. Yeah. And how it's it's not kind of all all hustle as as the exactly. kind of culture might be. There's all of these constituent mm. parts that are like rest and sleep and, re you know, reading or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, you should check out um, Katie Leeson if you haven't, um, uh, if you haven't come across her. But no, no. no. She, yeah, she talks about that, like, you know, um, let's stop over glamorizing that, you know, that hustle, that grind and stuff, because it doesn't do anyone any favors. And I totally agree with her. Yeah. It's, um, it's a very attractive, like I love kind of hard, hard work and like those, those environments yeah. that are like, do you know what I mean? Like the work ethic, like you kind of look up to it, but you know, when people are talking about, yeah, like you know, four hours sleep, every night or whatever it might be and all these kind of grandiose claims and do you know what like there might be some people that are just absolute beasts that can do that and yeah. credit credit to them fine you crack on but i think again it's, it's a removal of what's best for the self isn't it and it's like exactly yeah you need to bring it back to well how am i performing under those under that set of circumstances i know what i'd be like with four hours of sleep it'd just be <laughs> an absolute atrocity every day oh yeah i'd be mr <laughs> grump that's for sure <laughs> sweet all right then. Um, cool. Well, um, thanks for thanks for chatting today, Ash, and thanks for all the lessons. Like I say, I've, I've definitely got a few things that I'll be taking away and and um, working on. But um, much appreciated for um, yeah, wicked man, and I'll, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it, and um, I'll see more of you on LinkedIn then. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Great. <laughs>